Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another day, another fantastic interview, because I've got Anna Leonarda with me. Anna is an amazing woman who has gone through more than her fair share of, of trauma. And, you know, as always in the, in the preamble before the recording, we sort of chat and get to know each other. And I already sort of thought, oh, God, okay, fuck, how do I, if this was a competition, I had lost already as far as trauma is concerned and as far as things shit happening in your life is concerned. So this woman is a master. She's a shit magnet of the first, first level. If there's a podium, then she should be up there. She should actually be floating above the podium. Um, and it is those people who have gone through a lot of trauma and a lot of darkness that are the strongest when they come out the other side. And that is, I think, a story that we're gonna gonna touch upon here because I've got Anna here who is who is out there and dealing with one of the last taboos uh, in the Western world and is essentially sexual dysfunction. And she has made an app to make dating with for people with sexual dysfunctions actually easier. And how nice is that? Uh, so, we are talking about a lot of taboos here. There might be a, a few tears on my side, her side, your side. So this guys, let's and girls see where this goes. And welcome to my show, Anna. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Hmm. It is. I mean, how do you start an interview like that? Oh, tell me about your sexual dysfunction. Oh, how are you not working today? It's just, what? No, 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 no. wrong start, beep, start again. <laughs> so, no, but it's, it's, it's so beautiful that you, that you have found a, a voice for those people out there who typically want to hide and are full of shame and guilt and all these this kind of this mass bombardment of of for example of when you watch anything anywhere on the news you always look sexy as the man you just have to have a little bit more of chest hair and as a woman of course you there there the girls come out because there's all oh, sexuality is everywhere and that is a good thing and maybe not such a good thing when your own sexuality doesn't actually work so well um so Maybe let's let's go a few years back. How was your sexuality building up when you were a younger woman, uh, when you were sort of teenager and and being on the cusp of of becoming a woman? Was was sexuality? How how did you get brought up? Was it strict upbringing or was it hippies who said free love, go out there, girl? What happened? So I have old school Italian parents. So they're always like, and my mom was always like, no sex before marriage. Like, okay, you don't care. You never talked anything about drugs. Don't do drugs, but no sex. Yeah, no that's sex. Right. You can do drugs, but don't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we've just get yelled at. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm only 14. Give me a chance here uh -huh. <laughs> to grow up, you know? So, so, um, so I met my, my ex-husband now, um, when I was in eighth grade, I was 13 years old. So I was with one person all my life. And uh, as I got older, my mom still kept yelling at me, you know, no sex before marriage, no sex before marriage. But finally, when I became sexually active, uh, 
it was painful. So I'm like, well, first time. Yeah. I guess that's supposed to be like that. You know, that's what my friends told me. And, and I thought, okay, wh- why is it still hurting? And, you know, so I'm like, and I don't like it. It's like, it hurts. I'm like, what, what, what's so exciting about this? So I just dealt with the pain and, and I, I did know I had endometriosis, which can cause painful intercourse. So I had heavy periods prior to that and stuff and, and severe cramps. And so when I had the painful intercourse and I mentioned it to the doctor, like, well, yeah, that's because you have endometriosis and, and it's just something you have to deal with. And I said, okay, you know, so I, I started dealing with it and then I got married and you know, the pain just, I just dealt with it. I never even said anything to my ex-husbands. I was like, well, you know what, this is, I, this is part of a marriage. You have to, to have sex and why communicate it anymore? It's like, he's going to get tired of hearing me complain that it hurts. So my, of course my libido diminished on top of that. And I got married around 22 years old, I think it was. And so, and I would go to the gynecologist and I would say, all right, sex hurts. And I never enjoyed it. And I'm scared it's going to ruin my marriage. You're like, well, just have a glass of wine and relax. You're just nervous. And I thought, I wish it was that easy, you know? So I'm like, I got to get drunk before uh, I have, have sex with my husband. And then I would go to another doctor a couple of years later, same thing, just have a glass of wine. There's nothing for women. We can't do anything for you with your sex drive. So I just said, okay, I'll just deal with it. So thankfully I had two kids. So, I mean, that was a struggle because it took me a year to get pregnant with my son because I had the endometriosis. So it was a challenge to get pregnant. So thankfully I got pregnant with my son and then I had my, my daughter and, and sex was still painful. I had C-sections. I thought maybe if I have vaginal birth, birth, it'll, it'll help, but I didn't have vaginal births. I just had uh, C-sections. So then about, uh, after my daughter was born, so she was, uh, I think she was two at a time. I tried to have intercourse with my husband and, it, and he couldn't put it in. He couldn't insert it. It was like hitting a wall. So I thought, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with me now? And I went to a new doctor and I said, okay, I, I can't, have, nothing goes in, not even the tampons. Like what is going on with me? And she's like, you have something called vaginismus. And I thought, what in the hell is that? And didn't even realize that's probably something I had for majority of my life. I just didn't know what it was because doctors would just blow me off. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, what's, what's the, is there a treatment for it? And she was like, yes, you have to go for pelvic floor therapy and they'll give you some dilators, which mm-hmm. range in like five different sizes and the smallest, like they call it, described it as like plastic dildos, at least like the, mm-hmm. the smallest size, size one is the size of a pinky. And then once you insert that for 10 minutes a day and it doesn't hurt, then you move up to the next size mm. and you eventually graduate to size five, which is like Godzilla size. And I would never, ever hope any woman would have to use that size. I mean, I was like, what? That's what? Really? It can be that big? Oh, that's scary. <laughs> well, uh, men come in all different sizes. Women come in all different sizes. So yes, let's that's, that's not, not use one norm to, to broadcast. Yes. Okay. Right. So it is what it is. Every, we yeah. all, you know, big breasts, small breasts, <laughs> small vaginas, big vaginas. It comes all, you know. I guess, it, yeah. And with me being with one person on my life, I had no idea. You know, I'm like, what the heck? You know, and so, <laughs> yeah. So, so I was using the dilators, but I was like, this sucks. I'm like, this 
you know, it just, it's just like a, such a slow process and you have to do it yeah. every day, yeah. 10 minutes a day. And if you didn't, you'd have to go back to size one again, you know? And, and I asked the therapist, I'm like, how does this happen? What, why did, why did this happen? And she said, well, she described it as if somebody went up to you and just kept punching you in the stomach, every time they saw you, they punched you in the stomach. Eventually you would kind of flinch and spas, you know, tighten up yeah. your muscles and right. kind of back away. So in anticipation exactly. of, the, of the pain. Yeah. So that's what my vagina was doing. So I said, so my vagina broke. And she's like, yeah, I guess it, yeah, I guess it did break. I'm like, well, <laughs> but it's fixable. I'm like, all right. So I thought, you know, I, I was doing the treatment, but then I was like so impatient and, and frustrated. So I stopped a little bit. So then, then I was in the shower and I was, uh, I had a bar of soap on my hand. I still remember this. I was 36 years old and I felt a lump on my breast. And I was like, oh, what's this? I'm like, huh? Well, I'm 36. I don't have a family history of cancer. It's probably nothing. So I went to the doctor and she's, she's like, oh, it is probably nothing. Don't worry about it. Let's do a mammogram and mammogram. Like, well, yeah, you know, look, we see it there, but let's just do uh, ultrasound. And then eventually they did a biopsy and they said, well, you, you have cancer. And I was like, huh? 36 years old. What? And I worked at the time prior to like, uh, probably a few years prior to that, I worked in a hospital in the, in the pathology department as a secretary. So I saw all these reports coming in, these young, you know, older people getting diagnosed. I never paid attention to the younger people. There wasn't really that many. And then, so the first thing I did, of course, was call my pathologist friend. I'm like, um, what does this, what does this diagnosis mean? And she was a very aggressive cancer. You have, it's HER2 positive. People know what that is. Um, so, and it's triple positive, meaning it has a, uh, it's fed by progesterone and estrogen. And so the goal was to get rid of all the estrogen in my body. So that, you know, getting rid of estrogen can cause vaginal dryness and painful intercourse probably, you know, and, and lack of libido. So I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, right now I don't really care about my broken vagina. Mm. Let me fight cancer. So I went through the biopsy and then I had an MRI and they found another breast lump in my left breast and we biopsied that that was cancerous so I was like great so I was supposed to have a one-sided mastectomy uh and I did at the time I ended up having a double mastectomy eventually but the first one uh during the surgery they found a third tumor so I was like what in the hell I'm like I'm 36 and, and how long has this cancer been inside me mm. so I started chemotherapy and before I started, the oncologist said, just so you know, it is estrogen fed. We need to get rid of all the estrogen in your body and it's going to cause lack of libido. And I looked at him like, I remember my, my husband was sitting next to me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, he's got to hear this now. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. doctor, I'm like I already have vaginal dryness and mm -hmm. painful intercourse and lack of libido. He's like, well, it's going to get worse. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I have no choice. You know, I'm not going to not go through treatment because it's going to get worse. So that's what I did. I went through chemo, lost all my hair, had six surgeries for reconstruction and a seventh surgery for a total hysterectomy because I, the medicine I was taking can cause uterine cancer. Mm. So I thought, well, get rid of my uterus too. I mean, it's not like I need anything in my body anymore. <laughs> I mean, so, and then I also had the other side removed because of lack of healing. I had a poor plastic surgeon and arrogant one actually but and uh so yeah that I do all that and and then I started doing therapy again for my after my 
after I cured cancer or got rid of my cancer, I have nine year, nine year breast cancer survivor now. And then I thought, well, let me try using the dilators again. But it was like even worse. It was like, I'm back to, you know, I could barely get a the pinky size one in there. And even in my, during my hysterectomy, to give an example, like, or how it's not mental. that people think like, oh, it's all in your head. You're with the wrong person. And I'm like, I was under anesthesia and the doctor was trying to do a vaginal or a, a hysterectomy vaginally. And she said she couldn't even get the instruments in there. She said everything while I was unconscious or under sedation, it was just spasming. So the so that's what vaginismus is. It's the opening of the vagina, the muscles there are just involuntarily spasming. So even when I'm sleeping, mm. so it's not in my head, right? It might be part of it is, but... No, so, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah. everyone out there who hasn't had... Uh, a night where they woke up and they thought, ah, I got my neck. Uh, somehow I slept wrong. Ooh, ooh. And you just say, no, 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 just relax. It's going to be just fine. Just bend your head the other way. Ah, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Yes. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So here you're accepting that. But then for a woman, you say, no, 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 no. Come and just relax, honey. It's going to be fine. It's just, how about... <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Yeah, exactly. Just get, dr just get drunk. It'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> God. Yeah. Don't go. Don't go there. I've been there. That is, it comes with with its own set of problems. Rest assured. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit. Oh shit. Uh, but so, and so, how long? So you were first diagnosed with endometriosis at sixteen. When did you uh, get pregnant? I was. I believe the first time I was pregnant, I was 26, 26. 27 or something like that. And then it was 33, did I hear that right? Um, when you had your, when you had that breast lump? I was 36 when I found 36. the breast lump. Yes. So that's 20 years of not nice things happening in your pelvic region. And then you I mean, get the double whammy of, of, or triple whammy now with uh, various cancers. Um, which is hard and it doesn't just i mean i live in the medical system for crying out loud it doesn't just oh there is a lump let's do this afternoon an mri and fancy scan have this evening the the, the result and then tomorrow we're going to do everything your story as you have described it that would be what three years um educated really from the moment that you found that breast lump in the shower to your last surgery is or what is what time spent are we actually talking about this medical journey so i was diagnosed in november of 2012 i remember i got the diagnosis on my mom's 60th birthday oh great it was horrible i'm like i was in there where <laughs> we having we were eating dinner with her and then i knew the results were coming in but i'm like if it was taking so long because i'm like i work in a pathology department they know my my, my biopsies there I should get the results right away, right? It's been like seven days. I'm like, huh. so I was, then I started getting nervous. Like my friend called me from the lab and she's like, Anna, honey, you need to pay to your doctor. And I was like, what? Like, and then I started getting nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't good. This isn't good. And so she said, like, this isn't good. I'm like, oh my God. And I'd always been growing up. I don't know why, but I always thought I would never live past 40. I would never make it to 40 years old. So when I got diagnosed, I'm like, oh shit is this, maybe I'm right. And I'm very intuitive too. So that's when I, when I got diagnosed, I was like, oh Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to die. I'm going to, and everybody, you know, the couple of people I did know that had cancer, they died. So I'm like, oh, that's going to happen to me. And so it's so November, 20, 
12. And then I remember I had my, my, the major, the last major surgery was September of 2013. And then I believe I got done surgeries in 2015. Yeah, I wasn't, so that was, I wasn't far off there for years. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Because it's, it's a slow process. I didn't realize it was like, I thought like, you know, cut off my, my chest, put something in there, an implant, and I'm done. I didn't know I had, I had to lose my nipple. I didn't know that there was it's a slow process and the expander is supposed to be in. So no, I didn't know, like, I thought it was like easy. And plus my, friend, my, my friends, but a lot of people were like, oh, you get a free boob job. And I was like. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I am pretty saggy right now. All the doctors keep telling me, you're really saggy. I'm like, thanks. Oh. <laughs> so I thought, well, I mean, it's not a boob job. Please don't say that if anybody ever says that to anybody. Don't say that. <laughs> so, I mean. I guess, I mean, to a certain degree, uh, may I just uh, think positive here that they try to put a smile on your face and that they. They don't know what to say. Yeah, they didn't know what to say exactly. So it is. it is sometimes... Oh, sometimes you come up with the scallow humor. And um, so if anyone is out, think offended out there when they hear that story, I can see the difficulty for your friends. And for that, a friend of mine had bowel cancer. He's now coming again. There's something not just kosher, not right here. And um, so when he told me that um, I'm supportive, but between the two of us, we have got a dark humor. And my goodness, the jokes that are flying back and forth are beautiful. But I know that I'm, I'm releasing his tension. And we both yeah. have this belly laugh. And so that is how we both cope with it, while still acknowledging that this is not an easy time here. Um, so yes, so did I mean, here you were, Wow, bloody hell. So here you are grown up in probably quite a strict um, Catholic, I assume, um, mm -hmm. environment uh, with traditional Italian parents. How did humor play out? Was there humor in your youth? Was there laughing in your youth? Yeah, my, my my parents were very loving and and uh, not lo oh sorry that's my bloody, just, that's my bloody German German slash English mix laugh to laugh to <laughs> that laughing not the loving um, yeah. do you so when you what is your humor like yourself oh me yeah well <laughs> I was voted most humorous in eighth grade Ooh. I remember that. Interesting, <laughs> but, but I I like making people laugh, uh -huh. and I mean I'll, even like with my my vagina, my broken vagina, you know, just saying that people like laugh. They're like, oh, this that is kind of funny to hear that, you know. Like I made I wrote a blog in a magazine that's called How to Date with a Broken Vagina, and you know, so I mean, it is broken, you know. Yeah, yeah it's fixable, you know. But not that sexual dysfunction is you know a funny uh -huh. thing, but for me, that's how I deal with stuff. Like even with my breast cancer, yeah. I. After I shaved my head off, I, uh -huh. hair off, I uh, uh -huh. I made a mohawk, you know, or yes. whenever I had chemo, <laughs> right? Oh, like, cool. I wasn't even ready. My hair was only like a couple strands, 10 strands falling out. I was like, I don't want to see clumps of hair. I'm like, I'm going to take control. This is the only thing I control. So I just shaved it or I had someone shave it and I had a little mohawk. And and uh, so so when I went through chemo, I would wear a cancer suck shirt the, every time. And I would wear a pink hat, a pink uh, a wig. 
because I wanted to make other people laugh, you know, and just smile because that's what just, and I don't want it to make, like, I know it's not a great diagnosis, but I also didn't want anybody to feel sorry for me or, you know, uncomfortable around me. So I, I, uh, that was my way of, of dealing with it. And, And when I had a, my chemo nurse was great. I had a port. So like, I would put like, a note on, on my, I would write, handwrite something before she pulled my shirt down to look at my port, to access my port. I'd be like, hi. And she just started laughing. So I just like making people laugh. So, so I guess, I guess I do have a good sense of humor, but. Oh, uh, beautiful. I think laughing is the best medicine and, and I love making but, other people happy. But what I hear there is I hear you taking control. You're a mm-hmm. fighter and you're a woman who does not give up. You're not necessarily, at least many times, you're not taking on the victim role. But let me guess, there were times, I mean, endometriosis, for those of you out there who don't know what it is, normally there's endometrial lining, which is the lining inside the womb, and that's where it stays. Everyone is happy. And some women... Uh, these little little linings, they say, now nah, we go for a holiday, okay? Now in here, it's too dark. Now we're going to have a look a bit outside. And then they go around the tummy and say, oh, look, there's the bladder. Let's go there. Oh, oh no, over there, there's the, there's the colon. Let's, oh, yeah, full of shit. That's great. So if you go there, piss off the colon, every time she wants to poo, um, that it causes pain. Oh, that's fun. And that's that's exactly what happens. And if you want to imagine how it feels, then I want you to take some battery acid, make a little hole in your tummy, and just pour it inside and see how that feels. That's about sort of a description that some women would probably rather agree with. Was that? Yeah, how that's, would pretty, you, that's pretty good. <laughs> how would you How would you describe it to a friend? How do you describe your pain to a friend, that of endometriosis? For, the, for the endometriosis, I am, it was... It was just unbearable. I mean, I would, when I go when I get my period, the pain was just like someone was just taking a knife and just stabbing it in the lower right into my uterus and just moving it back and forth mm. for hours. Mm. And you would take medicine; and it wouldn't help for the pain, and mm. and I would vomit from the pain. Mm. I would have to stay home from school or from work, and mm. it was like it was unbearable. Mm. Mm. And I would, and then I would have back pain, and and. Uh, during that time, I would have like diarrhea or whatever. And it was just like, it was always the same symptoms. And it was just horrible. I dreaded having, you know, my period. I was like, I just wish I, wish I just take my uterus out. Mm. Well, mm. my dream came true apparently, but, mm. <laughs> I mean, but so uh, the problem, the problem is still there because all these, these inflammations that happen around the lining of the, the whole tummy now, they are right. just, they're there and they're being fed. Having said that, the moment the hormones uh, got stopped during your your cancer treatment, what happened to your pain? After the, the cancer treatment, you said? Yeah. During the cancer treatment, a lot of hormones would have been blocked and things would have changed. So the whole setup for those endometrial cells would be completely skewed. So how did the chronic pelvic pain behave? during your your let's say chemotherapy so when i i was let's see after my son was born i had a couple laparoscopic surgeries to get rid of the endometriosis i had mild cases and 
they, nobody knew how to treat my symptoms. So they, they put me on a birth control pill that actually mm-hmm. stopped my periods. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which I was like, that solved everything. Mm-hmm. It didn't solve the painful intercourse that continued because I probably right. had the right. vaginismus. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so I think that that did help me with uh, just pausing it. I don't know if it skipped it or whatever the word is, but the type of pills I was on, it made me, was allowed me not to have it anymore. And then when I, I had to stop my birth control pills before my mastectomy. And I remember all of a sudden, like I, I had my period again. I hadn't had my period for like two years. And then I was in the hospital, like unprepared. I'm like, why am I, I had my period twice that month. It was like, what, what's going on? So I was like, I feel like my endometriosis was like, hello, we're back. You know? So, uh, but then, then I started chemo shortly after my surgery. So that forced me into menopause as well. So it, uh, I didn't really seem to have symptoms of endometriosis anymore after I started that birth control pill. But here you are from the frying pan into the fire. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. goodness, <laughs> goodness gracious. Um, yeah, I mean, you're yeah. putting up a bright face and you say yourself, you're a people pleaser. And that people pleasing initially, you were pleasing uh, your mom and dad, and you were pleasing your husband. You were you were trying to be a good wife, having sex despite the fact that it was probably the last thing you wanted to do. But there's there's a theme coming through of you always trying to make others laugh. Um, when was the first time that the dark cloud so came over you? There's no way with your story that you didn't go through a bout of depression or multiple bouts. Um, when was the first time that darkness fell over your life? It's, I really didn't, sorry, (laughs) crying a podcast. (laughs) No, No, this is an honest, honest, if you, honestly, Anna, you have gone through shit and yeah, a little bit. And please, 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 this is. This what you're feeling there right now. I'm sorry that I'm triggering you, um, but it is just I have been in severe darkness, and due to my circumstances, and I know how it feels, and it's yeah. it 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 took me a long time to admit that. For a long time, I tried to convince others and myself, no, 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 I'm not depressed. No, 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 it can't be, it can't be. Yeah. And yeah, it was. I found myself trying to be strong for my kids. So I thought I tried to control, take control of everything I could because I didn't want, during my whole cancer, I didn't cry at all. I was like, should I be crying? But I'm like, no, I, I kept telling myself, you have to be strong for everybody else because there were people coming up to me, my friends that were crying. And I remember consoling them. I'm like, it's okay. Everything's okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm like, why am I console? I should be the one crying. You should be comforting exactly. me, you know? <laughs> and my exactly. mom was always crying. I'm like, mom, stop crying. Mom, stop crying. Uh, so, but I wanted to, I want everybody to see like, you know, I know like, oh, you're so strong. I'm like, I had no choice. I had to do this. I mean, nobody has a choice to, you know, want to cut their boob off. So, um, so I never really dealt with, the trauma that I was going through, I kind of just, the way I am, I just sweep everything under the rug. And I'm like, okay, what, what can I do to make this better? Okay, I'm not going to stay in bed and cry and feel sorry for myself. I need to beat this. I need to fight this. And I got to make sure that me thinking that I'm not going to make it to 40 is not going to come true. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I just kept myself busy with, and I thought, you know, why did I get diagnosed? And I thought, well, there's a reason why. Why did I have endometriosis, a broken vagina, 
and now cancer. What is the reason? So I thought, okay, I need to help other people. Maybe that maybe that's what it is. I need to help other people that are going through it and, and make them, that'll make me feel better. So that's what I would do. So other stuff to make me feel better to avoid getting into that dark cloud mm -hmm. space. Cause I, I just didn't want to be depressed and, and it's just, I knew they wouldn't do me any good when it feels it wouldn't help for me to feel sorry for myself either say why me and everything so i would tell my friends hey if you know anybody that's going through this cancer or scared just have them call me maybe this is why i had cancer and all these other stuff so that's what they would do i'm like i need to do more than this and i didn't know what it was yet so that's when oh. i i was gonna get divorced and i was like wait okay i'm getting divorced i'm like you know what i'm just gonna stay single i can't have sex I don't want to have sex. I don't want to be fixed. How am I going to find anybody now? And I thought, let's just, I'll just stay single. Cause if I have to tell someone I can't have sex, is that okay? And I'm going to hear the horrible responses, which I have heard because I tested out on some guys, but, um, and I thought, how am I going to date? I'm like, I can't, I'll just stay single. So then I thought, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This, that's not Anna. Anna doesn't just like give up. I didn't go through all of this. To be like, I'm just going to be alone and single with 20 cats, you know, just or whatever. I have two cats now, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> it doesn't count. The crazy <laughs> cat lady. Brilliant. I'm on a cliche to <laughs> introduce here. I, mean, I love it. I love it. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Crazy cat lady. So then I thought, okay, what about these guys that have erectile dysfunction? Huh. How are they dating? And huh. I thought, let me find out. So I started asking my friends. I'm kind of jumping all over the place. I don't think you even asked me to get into this part. Are you okay with me getting to this part? Please, just please. Your soul. Okay. And, of, and of course, I respect your, your, your journey. Please, you keep going. <laughs> so, so then I talked to my girlfriends and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to date because I'm scared of these traditional dating apps. What, are you, what has been your experience? And have you met any guys that have ED, erectile dysfunction? And they're, I was really surprised when they were like, I've been on a lot of dates and I meet these guys and they're in their thirties and they have ED, yeah. they have erectile dysfunction. And, yeah. and I'm like, what? I'm like, why? Oh, one guy said he has, he's on prostate, he's, he has prostate cancer. So uh, he's on, so he can't, he doesn't have, he has ED. Another guy had cardiac conditions. So he had high uh, blood pressure. He can't take any kind of pills to help with his ED. Another, uh, person was on antidepressants hmm. that and he's also has ptsd and that's why he you know he has ed and uh so i was like wait and they're in their 30s so i'm like wait a minute i go how do we first of all did you say the guy's number because that's the kind of guy i want to date is a guy that has ed i mean i wasn't even trying to be funny but i was like what he's got a broken dick okay did you have his number and so and they didn't have his number because they didn't continue a relationship because of that reason and so I thought that's going to be me. I mean, I'm sorry, imagining I'm like, oh man, I'm going to go on a date and be like, okay, mm. no, 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 no. I'm like, I can't. So how do I protect these people? Cause that's my job is to help people. And how do I help people while helping myself to find companionship without mm. feeling the fear of being rejected? So I thought, let me create a dating app that, that eliminates that expectation mm. that so that takes the sexual expectations out of dating mm. And it allows individuals like myself that have sexual limitations, whether it be from sexual trauma or a history of cancer, whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be cancer related. I had broken vagina prior to my diagnosis of breast cancer, just for them to be able to find a comfortable, safe 
safe place that they can meet each other and not have to be, Beautiful. You know, they could be themselves and not be rejected because they have these limitations. They didn't choose to be like this and they Beautiful. deserve to be loved too. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm fucking genius. Mm. And I'm a badass bitch mm. with a broken vagina, but I'm going to take this horrible experience, all these horrible experiences that I went through and do something good to, to help people that have been struggling for so many years mm. and maybe even suicidal because they think that they don't deserve to be loved or don't shouldn't live anymore because mm. they have these limitations. And it's like, no, I got to reach so many people mm. that, you know, even veterans that are, you know, they're, they're suicidal mm. as it is for what they've been through. And then they have mm. this on top of it. It's mm. like, I, how do I reach all these people? So I, I'm like, but I, I'm, I don't, I'm, mm. I don't have any business experience. I was a secretary and a stay-at-home mom for the most part for the most of my marriage. So I was like, I'm, I'm crazy, but I don't think I'm that crazy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to create this dating app. And that's, that's what I did. Which is, of course, fantastic, which is brilliant, yeah. because that is certainly something that is so much needed out there. Um, sexuality is, is a taboo it's mm -hmm. it's weird it's absolutely weird it's such a beautiful thing so therefore i mean i'm i'm blessed that i come from germany where sexuality is a bit more normal in a certain degree we have got a lot of nudist beaches virtually every every lake where you go there's one section that is a nudist beach so people are just doing everything naked and i'm quite renowned too on a hot we had a really hot summer well there were not too many clothes washed as far as I was concerned. So, so there is, there is uh, compared, let's say, for example, maybe with a traditional uh, Italian upbringing, there's certainly far more freedom in my life. Yet, at the same token, uh, when it comes to sexuality, to, to actually being uh, with a partner, then there are clear norms. They're clear you have to be a man and a man. Regrettably, my, the way I was brought up, the more women you can lay, the better man you are. That was the kind of skewed bullshit I was, I was basically being fed in my, in my teenager years. Mm -hmm. And I used alcohol to relax. And in all fairness, alcohol gave me um, an advantage because at a certain level, I could control my erection for hours if I wanted to. And it was beautiful um, for my sexuality. Needless to say, down the line, when you, deal, when you don't deal with your negative emotions, when you don't deal with your trauma, when you don't deal, well, when you, when you use too much alcohol to escape reality, Funnily enough, erectile dysfunction says, hello, welcome to my life. <laughs> so exactly, that is one thing that I hate from being a hypersexual young man to going through shitloads of trauma, shitloads of path that I don't like, uh, but it mm -hmm. was my path to now coming the other end and saying, yep, hello, good morning. <laughs> no, okay, thank you, good evening. <laughs> Nope. Stand up. Nope. <laughs> it is fucking harsh. I've, you, you never admit to that because as a man, even with me, with my honesty, with me having a show that is about transparency, about honesty, etc. Do I talk about my own erectile dysfunction? Hell no. 
Hell no, because there is still there is there is shame, deep seated, deep seated shame, guilt. Um, I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good. You get all these kind of bloody thoughts coming through. So um, I absolutely adore you for going out there to and making an app for people who who are like you, who are struggling for one reason or for the other, and who say there must still be love out there. So that makes you a fighter. That makes you a woman who is thinking outside of the square. And for that, I want to come across and give you the hugest hug and the hugest, wow, well done, woman. This is this is blowing me away. Just, just this kind of, okay, I need to find a solution. I want to find a solution. Here is the solution. Oh, that's cool. Cool shit. <laughs> Having said that, Thank you. may I say that equally, there are so many other ways of actually addressing the underlying problem. For example, with me, by stopping my alcohol misuse, abuse, um, and actually going through therapy, I think I gave my liver and my sex hormones and everything a bit of a chance to recover. So had I keep drinking, been keep drinking like a fish, then I don't think there would be much of a chance there for any kind of sexual function, number one. The mm-hmm. trauma that, that is accumulating in our lives, it leaves huge scars in our soul, on in our brain at levels that we have no idea about. And those levels are unfortunately very close to our sexual drive centers. So um, if you don't deal with the trauma that has happened to you, then you, you set yourself up to fail even more. So I think there's so much more to sexual dysfunction mm-hmm. than, than to simply say, okay, I give up forget sex completely let's date someone who equally has got no has got uh no chance uh quotation mark or however you phrase it in your own belief system um where you are at so i think the uh, i'm um you allow people to connect and that is the biggest thing so because often enough, when you have got sexual dysfunction, you don't talk to someone about it. Therefore, inevitably, your brain tells you you're the only one. Everyone out there mm-hmm. is is making love, you know, for breakfast. And that's their life. That's often how your friends betray or, or, or portray themselves. Yeah, my bottom. Do you actually have figures? How many, how many women out there do rather not have sex? because there is pain or there are there are problems there. What are the figures of erectile dysfunction? Do you have any any grasp on that? So when I searched how many men have erectile dysfunction yeah. and instead of in the United States, there's approximately 30 million men that have ED. 10, 10%, yeah, that's right. That's, that was, that's what it was. Yeah, oh, okay. men. So you've got 360 million at the moment as, as in the United States. So that would be nearly 15, 20%, something like that, of, of men having erectile dysfunction. Is that correct? I believe that's correct. And, then, and it yeah. starts at the age 18. It's not even, it doesn't Absolutely. have to be you know, elderly. And they yeah. looked at worldwide how many people 
with men with ED and worldwide. And it said like expected to be 320 million men worldwide. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's ridiculous. And then I try to look up women, but I think a lot of them don't even report it. Exactly. Like somebody might have vaginismus and then they don't yeah, even, absolutely. like me, mm. I went to the doctor three to four times and they're like, eh, it's nothing, it's nothing, mm. you know, but so, uh, and I, and I didn't, I thought I was alone too. And then I started looking at I'm like, there's a vaginismus group with 7,000 women in it. I'm like, that's a lot of women. So, and then, you know, Velvodini, I probably said it wrong, but there's like all these different groups. And I was, I didn't realize, I'm like, I'm not alone. And all these people might think that they are alone. So that's why I wanted to, I want to increase awareness too. Like while I'm doing this, I'm beautiful. I, I mean, I'm very vocal about my, my broken vagina, um, but I think there's, there are some men, which, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor or professional healthcare professional, but mm. I am learning like, you know, guys that have sudden ED symptoms and they're like, they're, they're scared to go to the doctor and get it checked out. Mm. They're like embarrassed. So they just don't, I don't get it checked out, but it's like, well, maybe it's your, maybe it's something like an underlying reason why you have this uh, ED all of a sudden, maybe it's your blood pressure. Maybe it's, you know, somebody I met, mm. um, he said that he, started talking to this other guy who's like a big uh, advocate for prostate cancer awareness or whatever. And he's like, he didn't know he had, he had these symptoms and he didn't know until he started talking to this guy. And then he finally went to the doctor and he had years with these symptoms. And then he found out he has stage four prostate cancer. It's like, okay, you, you should have went right away, but they're Absolutely. embarrassed. Absolutely. Like my breast cancer lump, uh, even like anybody that finds a lump on their body, don't freak out. It doesn't mean you're going to die. It doesn't mean you have cancer. But if you get it checked out, if it is cancer, like me, if I didn't check, I, I wouldn't be here anymore. If I, if I ignored it, I would have been dead. And that's the, that's the other thing with yeah. my, with my app is I'm trying to increase awareness for so other things like Beautiful. And I love you for saying that. I love you for saying that because there are things in the human body that can happen okay there are little little mutations in a cell here and there and suddenly that mutation goes unchecked by the immune system next thing you know there is something growing in you that doesn't belong there and that can happen in some parts of the brain where suddenly your sex hormones get completely affected um your testosterone falls off and all kind of things because it's just that area in the brain uh even a small little little even benign tumor a tumor that is not cancer that just grows there and pushes on those sensor uh, centers um can get you into trouble the same yet the prostate cancer thank you so much for for highlighting that because prostate cancer is such a common thing out there um um, I'm um, I'm a, a, a pistol shooter, a competitive shooter, and I've got uh, shooting shirts. I've got one with fight prostate cancer, and the other one says fuck prostate cancer. So depending upon what my mood is, um, I, I might wear that uh, in a competition. And because we need to to raise that that awareness, especially amongst men. Uh, mm. So therefore, but that is that is just one tiny little thing. There can be other reasons, uh, very organic reasons, why you why things don't work out for you at the moment on, on the sexual level. So I think one of the very first things you should do is say, huh, something is not right. And the next thing is call your family physician or call your GP and actually make an appointment and actually say, hey, look, this is what is happening. And the 
even if there's absolutely nothing wrong with you on a physical sense, well, that's at least a clean bill of health. You can now move on. You can now say, okay, then maybe I need to look a bit closer at the trauma that has really occurred the last year or 25 years or the trauma that has occurred in my childhood and that is now coming back to haunt me. So, but if you if you neglect to look at the potential biological reasons, then unfortunately your life can be rather short uh, and it doesn't need to be. Shit happens, right. shit happens, but it's, 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 it's awful, awful. If you just say, ah, it's all, it's going to be all right. And then six months later, it's too late to do something. So therefore, exactly. Anna, Anna, that, that was such a big call to action. Thank you. That is so important. Of course. So, yeah, look at the underlying reasons. Is there anything that you can correct? And you might be amazed what there is. Um, it's interesting when I hear your story um, that there is so much fobbing you off, so much lack of insight of the medical fraternity community to guide you towards more specialized um, physiotherapists. Um, I mean, nowadays there are sexual um, health uh, doctors who, spe uh, who specifically work with women with vaginismus, with endometriosis. It's often some very very and just as much if you if you have slept wrong and you, you, you your muscles are all tight well a physiotherapist can over a few days actually get you just right there can teach you how to relax muscles etc mm -hmm. so whilst there might be them good reasons psychologically whilst you have vaginismus there might be also be a, a very localized dysfunction of the muscles did you ever go down this route? Did you ever get introduced to someone who actually works specifically with the pelvic floor and who tries to help you from that angle, from a more, let's say, physiotherapy point of view? When I first got diagnosed with my broken vagina vaginismus, yeah. and I went, I did go to a pelvic floor therapist, and that's mm -hmm. the one who showed me these dilators. Right. Was, okay, these right. are the dilators. This, this is what the treatment is, and right. and she showed me how all the muscles are kind of connected in the body right? Right. because like she was, she was, when she was examining me, she was like pressing on the, the muscle, my vaginal opening and I could feel it in my lower back. And I was like, uh, right. why do I feel that right there in my back? She's like, cause it's, everything's connected and you're, that's right. It's yeah. all tied. Yeah. And I ah. just, I'm like, that's just weird. I mean, and, and then, uh, so, so I did go for the treatment yeah. and yeah. it was weird to be like, you know, just to sit there and have someone show me all these different muscles that I didn't even know about, you know, but yeah. press on all these different muscles. But uh, I thought it would, you know, I'm both, this is, this is great. Not great, yeah. but I was like, well, it, there is a yeah. cure for me, but okay. it's just but, me for yeah. personally, I just rather not. So if anybody does have vaginismus, mm. that doesn't mean that you don't have to have treatment because there is treatment. Mm. It's just me. I wanted do treatment for myself and I don't want to do treatment for myself. I want to, I don't want to do it for anybody else either. Mm. So that's why I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this for myself. And I thought, you know what? Beautiful. I don't want to do it. It's, it's just, it's just yeah. a lot of triggers. It's just something I don't want to 
fair call. And that's yeah. absolutely a fair call. No, it's again, I just wanted to bring that in because for some women, there can be traumatic improvements by going down this route. And they they don't understand the link between sometimes emotions or sometimes physical pain and then the reflexes that happen on the pelvic floor. And the moment that they get taught what is happening, they get, aha, now I know why it's, it's not in my head. Mm -hmm. And therefore they can work through it. And suddenly there's improvement there. So again, I wanted to, to, to say that out there that, uh, you know, once you've ruled out the biological things, then go to a specialist of the pelvic floor and see what this person can do with regards to your, your, your new and improved you. And let's right. put it like that. So, and, and you did all that. It didn't work for you. And that, that's absolutely fine. And not everything can work for everyone. Um, but I had an I, interruption too. I mean, I had the interruption of breast cancer. So I kind of like, eh, I'm not going to do that right now. Yeah, exactly. So. Touche, touche. Okay. So True. no, there's so many things and that's life, isn't it? So no. Yeah. Um, but also this show is all about hope. And you are essentially saying, okay, yes, I've got a broken vagina but I want to find love. I want to find someone who can, who is maybe as broken as me. Um, and now how do I, how, how can I identify that? Is, especially if that is a topic that is completely covered in shame and guilt and taboos. So therefore I find your, your, your app so amazing. Now, unfortunately I do understand your app is only available in America. Uh, Okay, but for tell now. us for tell, now. For now, but tell us a bit about it. How does it work, and and how do people find your app? How can they actually? How can people find love, and without sex overpowering that those feelings? They can go to entwinedating.com. That's e n t w i n e dating.com, and from there they can it'll say get entwined, which is a free app right now. And they can download it to their Android and pretty soon they'll be able to download it to their, their Apple device. Mm -hmm. uh, right now they can use it through the web on their, on their Apple phone, but mm -hmm. uh, Apple didn't accept it right away. They're not going to accept my app right away because there's so many dating apps out there. They're not accepting anymore because uh, there's too many scams. So uh, I have to show uh, them that this is a, a real app and a needed app. And then, uh, so it's going to be available in the play store and, uh, or in the iOS uh, and yeah. then also they could use it on the web. Yeah. And of course, they could follow me on, on social media mm -hmm. if uh, they wanted to kind of you know, stalk my my page and see what else, <laughs> well, what's going on in there. But yeah. And guys, and, uh, have a look down there in the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast. All her details are there. So Anna, uh, Anna is doing doing great work to actually go out there and 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 bringing hope. You're literally a merchant of hope. You're the facilitator of hope. I don't know how I call you, but you're not a merchant because you don't make money out of it. Um, you are, I don't know, the goddess of hope. Uh, however, <laughs> however I put oh. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. You're a, exactly. You're a woman who doesn't give up. And yeah, a woman I don't want to. Exactly. A woman who is, who is destined to make this world a little bit of a better place. And that is amazing. Know, thank you. When I I started like my my girlfriends were like, why don't you just go on a regular dating app and meet a yeah. guy and see what 
you know, maybe if he doesn't want to be with you because of that, then he's not good. He's not worth it. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, I don't know. About that. Let, me, let me try and test this out. So I started going out after oh. I got divorced and I started meeting guys and a guy would say like, you know, Hey, let's, you want to go out, blah, 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 whatever it were the stupid pickup line they use. Um, and then I would say, well, let me tell you about something first. I have, I have this issue where I can't have sex or intercourse. I should say, cause I, other intimacy can be sex. We could be oral or whatever. Um, so and I, so is that a problem? I don't, you know, I understand if you don't want to date me or take me out. And some of them will be like, uh, what's up? We have other holes, don't you? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I guess I'm doing, I mean. Oh, come on, men. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, truly. Not, 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 they're not all insensitive. I mean, I have heard someone say you know the per- perfect reason why a guy wouldn't want to be with you and he was like really amazed what does you get the perfect reason why a guy wouldn't want to be with you and i was like why would you say that you jerk and uh and the the thing with the other holes i heard that from four or five different guys same thing and i look at him like and then the other guy was like oh you haven't been with me yet wait till you're with me i'll cure you you, you have an orgasm uh, with me yet and i'm like huh and then the other guy he goes, uh, actually a few people also, not that I go out and like meet millions of men. I don't have guys like flocking at me or anything, but mm. uh, the guys that I do talk to, they're just like, <laughs> one guy goes, well, I mean, you, what about anal? You, will you do anal? And I said, you haven't even bought me dinner yet, a steak dinner. And you're asking me if I want to do anal. I said, no. I said, you know what? I don't want to answer that. And no, I don't want to go out with you anymore, <laughs> weirdo. So. <laughs> oh, it makes me cringe as a man. It makes me cringe. Oh my god! Oh, like that. I mean, I've met a guy that he was just like, you know, I really like you. I think you're really amazing. I just, I can't date you because I have to have sex. And I said, you know what? That's the best response I could ever get from that's somebody beautiful. because it's, that's that's honestly, right? isn't it? He has got at least an yes. insight in his own in his own needs. And that yes. is that is actually quite rare out there. People don't realize what they really want or what they need. And then they are pissed off that they don't get it. And then they blame it on others. So there's a bit yes. of a fucked up going on there. But so it is, uh, it is, wow. You are, wow. <laughs> what can you say? So that's why I thought this, this is, I would, and I would, I would laugh at them when they would say stuff like this. But no, no. Oh, sorry. That's, that's, no, 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 no. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. That's me. That's me. Just me holding myself. Sort of shut up, Stefan. <laughs> Listen. That, this oh. is, so that is no, 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 no. I'm not like, telling you shut up. No, 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 no. You're you're doing okay. so well. You're talking about honestly. You're talking about about things that no one dares to talk about. No, I'm not shutting you up. Okay, on the contrary, okay, okay. I'm just. <laughs> I, I should say, yeah, yeah. Bring it out, girl. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> I was on a, another interview yesterday, and he's like, "If I go like this, that means that I'm about to ask you a question." So I was like. I thought you were going to ask me. Oh, okay. no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, 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 sorry. it's okay. So, <laughs> uh, so I started thinking about, you know, I, I would laugh at these, these guys that would say stuff like this. I'm like, this is funny. But I thought, I'm protecting these women and these men that are going to hear this and it's going to it's gonna ruin them. 
they're not gonna be like, I'm not going on a date anymore. This is embarrassing. You know, this is horrible. They, I just got humiliated. That's right. Somebody exactly. that went, yeah, they went through sexual trauma. It's like, oh, you want to do anal though? It's like, uh, really? I mean, and the guys laugh. They think it's like, you know, it's so funny that they asked me, that. <laughs> but, but it's just like, no. And so I'm like, I'm, this is, a, this is why I'm creating this app mm. and no, I don't want to go out with you. And sure. And that's why I don't want to wait till the third date to tell somebody that I have this problem because then I'm going to be emotionally attached. Like the guy that said that I can't be with you because you can't have sex. That upset me. I wasn't mad at him. I was glad I was honest, but I was like, man, this sucks. I love this guy's great. This is the kind of guy I want to be with. And I can't because I might, because I'm broken. And yeah, it's fixable. But, and I told him, hey, by the way, I can't, it is fixable. He's like, it is? But I'm like, but I don't want to fix it. So I'm like, I don't want that pressure of you got to fix it. You got to fix it. If you want this relationship to work, you've got to fix it. That's what I want to like get. There's people in, in relationships, I'm all over the place now, but there's people in relationships that feel stuck. Like I, mm. I talked to this lady, she's like, my neighbor is a breast cancer survivor mm. and she doesn't have any breasts. And, and she had a hysterectomy and she's um, vaginal dryness. Her husband is very impatient with her. He's emotionally abusive. And I'm like, why is she with him? And she, and she goes, because she said, who's going to want to be with me? Who's going to, she doesn't think anybody's going to want to be with her because she has, um, she's, she's not like, not a woman because she doesn't have breasts and everything. So she just rather stay with this guy. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, this is, I need to reach these people too, that they're think they're stuck in this marriage or, or whatever relationship they're in. And they feel like they, they don't deserve to be loved by anybody. So they're just going to sit with this person because they don't deserve it. It's like, no, get out of that relationship. You don't need that. Get, you know, there's, there is hope. There's someone that's going to want to be with you regardless of your, your, your limitation or your scars or whatever. And, and, and that just, there's so many people I want to reach, even like people all over the world, like people that like in Australia and Canada, UK, India, they're, they're mm-hmm. messaging me saying, why isn't this app available in our country? And I was like, I want it to be, I, I hate even saying, no, I'm sorry. It's mm-hmm. not yet but this is all self-funded by myself and I've been doing this all myself. I lost tons of my savings because all of my savings, because the first app people took advantage of me and I almost gave up, but I was like, no, I don't give up. So I, I found another app guy and he, and he finished the project. Thank God. And, and, uh, but nice. I, that's because I, I'm just desperate to save these people that are mm. desperate to, to find companionship. And mm. so I'm very passionate about it, as you can probably tell, but <laughs> It's like, you're I hiding mean, it so well <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding but I think here can I just make a point of 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 the power of rejection and the power of of trying to come out trying to be honest trying to be transparent trying to be authentic and then someone turns around are you doing anal and it's just how much more pain can you heap onto that woman do that one I mean the, the sheer fact that you had multiple uh, experiences like that and yeah. are still standing. I mean, that speaks for you as a as a human being with regards to your resilience. Um, a a lesser woman or a lesser man would have crumbled. I, if if I would have had that once or twice, I probably would have mm-hmm. run for the hills. Okay, yep. so there is only so much betrayal or so much. You're kidding me how you're responding to me um, that I can take. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I mean, kudos to you that you that you kept going, that you that you 
simply did not give up. And that's that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Um, God, your your app, no two ways around it, is is uh, much needed out there. No two ways around it. And I hope, I so hope that that you find more avenues like my show and other shows out there to just spread the word, to actually yes. go out there and let women and men know that there is love uh, outside of sex. And that in all fairness, that that uh, sex, in, uh, that making love in a traditional way, yeah, that is only one part of intimacy. That's only one part of, of um of being close with someone and that yeah please i love it that you that you start the discussion happening that by you saying hey there's this app here um you actually raise awareness you're actually going out there to tell other people hey this is this is what i'm doing and therefore maybe they say wow if she has got the the the, the guts to come out there and Open, be open about it maybe they can come out too and that's that's where they can seek help and even if there's not immediately help available they can find connection either with another partner or with a group of people that they otherwise would have not tapped into let it be the vaginism the vulvodynia the, um, the men's groups that are out there that are open and honest the opposite to to suffering is connection the opposite, I mean, that's classic in, in, in the addiction, the addiction world. You are creating that. You're creating connection. And that is beautiful. That is, and for that, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> yeah, I, I speak for mankind here uh, when I say thank you very much. Um, this is, we need so much more movements like yours, so much more more people out there who are just open about their their very private journeys, put their own shame and guilt aside and say, okay, yeah, shit happens, but let's make the best out of it. And there is life after darkness. And you're an amazing woman. Thank you so much for coming onto my show. Um, Thank you so much for having me. So again, give us your, your the, the one hub that was uh, entwine dating. Is that correct? entwinedating.com yes that's perfect correct. perfect entwinedating.com guys check it out what possibly do you have to lose uh, and but yeah don't forget your your gp your family physician check yourself out um regardless what your age is okay you're not bulletproof so go out there make this life worthwhile are you a gorgeous woman uh, I can't wait to see what, what happens with you in the future and to see what other things you're coming coming up with. Um, because once you have started, then there is no holding you back. That's right. That's, <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, thank you so much for coming on to my show. And you guys out Thanks, there, man. I love you all. Stay strong. I believe in you. There is hope out there. So look after yourself. Bye.